Good afternoon, everyone. Today we're hosting AK85's first career panel podcast with these wonderful ladies who took the time out of their days to come speak with us. I am Madison Ho, a sister from AK85, and I will be one of the hosts today. Hello, everyone. I'm Emma Tran. I'm also a sister of AK85, who will be also interviewing um, everyone today. Could everyone please introduce themselves and their profession? I'll go alphabetically. Hi, I'm, I'm Dr. Patricia Alexander. I'm a Distinguished University Professor in the Department of Human Development and Quantitative Methodologies. I would say my primary area of work and research is how people learn, how one becomes an expert, how one reasons and thinks and problem solves. Hello, everyone. My name is Anita Galeano, and I'm a senior campus recruiter for Con Resnick, which is an accounting firm. But I also have the pleasure of teaching uh, 367 sections, both the freshman and the transfer. Hey, everyone. My name is Maris. I'm a recent grad of the University of Maryland. I graduated last May during the pandemic. I'm a sister of CPA Katie Fi, and now I work as a breaking news video producer for The Hill, and I cover national, state, and local politics. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm Quinn Nguyen. I'm an assistant professor of epidemiology and biostatistics in the School of Public Health. Okay, great. Again, thank you so much for the panelists making it out today. We cannot wait to explore all the professional fields. So I'm gonna start off the question with, how do you keep yourselves motivated at your current jobs today, especially with the pandemic going on? First of all, I think you need to be motivated before the pandemic. Um, this would just exacerbate all the problems. I think that the trick in my belief system is that when you seek to become a member of a career, a career is not a job, a career, as it says, is something unique, is that it has to be something for which you possess deep passion and, and concern for. Because life has ups and downs. All of us are women who have, I'm sure in our lives, experienced so many differences. I tend to be a more um, in the more senior category in age. So I've seen my life and the career all follow quite different paths. So I think the trick is to remind yourself constantly how much you love what you do, that even in this, this time, it's, it's, it's just a phase, it's a period, it too will pass, and you can experience the joys that you had pre-pandemic. I would agree with that. I think it's really important for you to find your calling and, and your purpose through your career. You're spent, you spend most of your life working with your colleagues in you know, contributing um, to your career. So it's really important to, to find that self-motivation inevitably whether it's a pandemic or where there, there are tasks about your day-to-day -day job that are not your favorite, that you procrastinate sometimes, that might be the administrative stuff or, or some of the things, again, that are not at the top of your list, um, there are going to be part of your daily life. So finding a routine, I know for me, especially leading up to the pandemic has helped to have my morning workouts and, you know, making sure that I rest, um, that I eat healthy, as well as just finding time to disconnect from work, because as much as I love my jobs, I, I do need some rest. So making sure that I safely spend time with family. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's I'm a little bit in a different position because I entered the job market during the pandemic. So <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly trying to figure out like how to stay motivated. Um, I love my job now. I think journalism, especially during a pandemic, is so important. And it's so important to have, you know, accurate news and like keep up with what's happening. Um, but I wanted to agree with Anita and say like just the importance of 
disconnecting. Um, I feel like after work, I really strive to just turn off the news. Um, the breaks and the taking rest from work is equally as important um, to finding your motivation to work as like, you know, remembering your why. So just finding time to like have some kind of rest and do some kind of self-care, it like helps me like the next day to be even more motivated to work. Um, I guess a few things. I think the, because this pandemic was so long, we kind of had to figure each of us out, like how to manage different sections of it. During the pandemic, what I do to kind of keep going is like the break. So if you have like your uh, school and then you have work, maybe take in, in between that, like I take like a 20 minute session and either I lie down or I kind of just like disconnect just for 20 minutes before my next row start. And I feel like that just little piece um, allows me to kind of like center and kind of rest up before the next phase of the day. And that has really helped. And at the end of the day, I exercise basically every day because as we know, we're in the pandemic where like, you know, you might be going out less. And I find that I really kind of need daily exercise now to kind of like keep my mental health and try and like keep that. Like, it, it's weird, like that exercise can help you feel more energized and more creative. It's great to hear how you guys are all able to overcome the obstacle, especially with the pandemic. Um, now to hear a bit more about your professional careers, have you encountered any other obstacles in your career journey? If so, how did you overcome it? Yeah, of course, again, I, I want to position this by saying being um, in my career for over 40 years, I entered it at such a time when women were more or less able to have careers as teachers, nurses, secretary. I mean, it was a very constrained sort of world in which one could enter careers. That's certainly has changed. But when I began, the idea was I took advantage of the fact that I was a teacher, then I adored teaching and I still absolutely do and chose to build my career on what is it that I find passionate, but was also a sort of accepted channel. But then moving into higher ed presents yet another challenge. And for many, many times, because I ended up starting my teaching in higher ed in Texas and in a very conservative institution, I remember feeling perhaps one of the first times, because I'm not a very shy person, and, and those who know me know that I tend to be um, a little out there, is that I encountered for the first time in my life a situation where I would speak and I wasn't heard. But then a male would say something quite similar and people would go, what a great idea. You know, what a great idea. Well, because I grew up in DC in a kind of rough neighborhood, I don't let that go. So I made sure I say, okay, stop. Uh, you're not hearing me. Let me try that again. And, and because these males were not used to a woman who was kind of forthright and a little bit um, spunky, I guess would be the word, that they began to hear me. And in the, the institution I started in, I eventually became the first woman speaker of the faculty senate. I assumed all these leadership roles. But I, when I left and came back to Maryland, which is where I'm from, I just remember that the, finally the university spoke up and said, we can't lose you. You represent liberal females. I thought to myself, in Maryland, I don't even get noticed. You know, it's <laughs> there's a collection of very spunky, outspoken females. But that's how life changes. And other obstacles that you all will um, inevitably face, and I'm sure the panel is, we heard that already, is things like how do you raise a family, particularly as a single female? 
I had a, an infant child. How do you raise children and still give your profession the attention it deserves? Those are kind of built in sort of obstacles that come. And more recently, finally, and I'll pass it on, is that I faced what I would call the sandwich pressures. My parents were both alive when I came back to Maryland. They have both since passed, but I was also taking care of my very elderly and, and very and, um, not, not, not well parents at the same time I'm trying to manage my career at the same time I also have uh, my own students and my young family, my young grandchildren and all to attend to. So that's, you know, life comes at you and you, you can either fold and, and just fade or you just do what you can do in that moment and face the fact that until this part of the obstacles pass, you can't be all that you want to be in the way you want to be it. Does that make sense, Emma? Thank you for sharing that, Patricia. I, I, I can totally relate. It still happens where we as women say something and then <laughs> it's, it's like you were not even there and then right. somebody, a male says it and all of a sudden is the best idea in the world. So I can relate to that for sure. I think what I wanted to share, especially with our audience, is finding your path. When I was five, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. My little sister was six, so I said I was going to be a doctor to make her feel better. And my family was very supportive. You know, I went to school, pre-med biology all four years, but realized that that was not my calling. Yeah. And it was a really, really tough time in my life where all of a sudden everything that I thought I knew about my future was crumbling down. I... I attempted to take the, <laughs> the exams to go to medical school, but my heart was not there. And I was very lucky to have found in my first job, just a lot of mentors who were able to pour um, encouragement on me and just, in, you know, help me find um, my strengths and, and the type of work that I wanted to do. I had no idea what business uh, that I would fit in the business field, much less what human resources was or recruiting um, and through, through those opportunities, I found my passion, but I found that that is a challenge that comes up every time that I'm thinking of making a career move. I feel like I'm a square one. I, I, I don't know where to go. I have this experience. I loved it. I know it's time to find something new, but I just don't know where to go. So I think the one thing I have done right through those struggles has been being open to opportunities. And I have you know, a, a 15 years in my career that I absolutely love. And, and I'm very uh, thankful for each and every one of those opportunities that I just happened to, to take on because they were in front of me, especially during those moments where I didn't know how to move forward. And it all boils down to networking. I have found all those fantastic opportunities through friends and colleagues. Um, and I am naturally shy when I was in school. Thankfully, I was able to find that throughout my career and have really been the catapult in terms of um, of I've moved forward. I just can't believe, Anita, you were shy. No. <laughs> in natural, social, personal settings, I am. When it comes to work, I'm not. <laughs> Thank you for sharing those stories. Um, I think like as a younger person in the field, like I feel like I... I kind of take what you guys have learned from those obstacles and like apply it to my career moving forward um I think for me uh I'm just I feel like I'm going to keep going back to this but like working in journalism has been pretty hard these last this last these last few months um especially these last two weeks covering the Atlanta shootings was was really difficult I would consider that one of um kind of like the low points so far in my career my very short career so far um 
it's like really hard to balance being like super objective in your reporting and your story gathering and then also like feeling like you have a personal connection to the woman who um, were shot, they were in the AAPI community. So yeah, I think it really, for me, like trying to overcome that obstacle and that challenge just goes back to being able to kind of take breaks. Um, I mentioned earlier that like my nine to five schedule, as soon as I'm off of work, I really just try to give myself time to process and like not think of work, um, especially, especially in these heavier days, heavier weeks. Um, another challenge that I've faced uh, was kind of just, this was like in the beginning of my career, but like finding a job during the pandemic was really difficult. I think I sent over 100 applications out and I feel like that's normal <laughs> without a pandemic. But I think for me, I didn't know what to expect going into job hunting. Um, so to overcome that, I think I just had this mindset that like, I just need one yes. Um, and I think that's the kind of advice that I give a lot of my younger friends. Like you just need one yes. Um, you just need one acceptance. And like, it can be maybe not your dream job, um, but it's a job that you think that, you know, you can eventually be really passionate about. Um, it can relate to your overall ultimate goal later down the road um, and just being really persistent about finding that position that, you know, I could have work-life balance in as well as finding something that I really wanted to do. Yes, those were amazing, like uh, stories and advice. I think life unfolds in, and as we progress, we face so many different things. So I'm um, like, um, my background is that um, I came from a single parent family. Uh, we immigrated, like this is a pretty traditional story where like I'm Vietnamese American, we came here, you know, with very little, but I think in, when looking back, I kind of see it as like a blessing that my background, because you kind of like, you start from like scratch, like, so you kind of your identity, though you, the way your life unfolds, is like your own creation and what you build. And so I think at, at each point, you kind of have to uh, kind of maximize opportunities that you seek or are given to you, and then kind of just do your best at each stage. And then it kind of just grows and it progresses to the next stage. Like we went to like public school and then we went to like a normal uh, high school as well. And then like I, I did a summer program um, where it was like at Stanford and we went uh, for the last two years of high school instead of going to my public high school, which was not that great. We, uh, me and my sister went to community college instead. Mm. So I think kind of like seek advancement. And I think that led to me and my sister going to Stanford because Nobody in my high school got accepted to Stanford. Like we realized that we were the only one. So things like that, like you can kind of like see, okay, what do I have available to me? I'm going to try to like maximize that. Like you're not aware of when you're doing it, but you kind of see, I think that might be a better opportunity. And then you kind of just one step in front of the other and you kind of just do your best at each stage and it will grow into a career and into a life that you create for yourself. Do you think also that we've learned because we are successful that we've learned not to take no very easily yes i think that's like part of life i think maybe academics know this most like really well because like no's are just like part of life yes right? and it's just like no it just means that you have to do another application right so i think that's just like normalizing that and be like okay like you know now that's on to the next one so kind of just like and also, I like I didn't like when I was younger. I didn't realize that failure or rejection will be like the best teachers. They're painful teachers, but like they'll be like, okay, something went wildly wrong here, right? And then if you can kind of like look at it, process it, and see like what was the critical flaw that led to that failure, 
this can kind of be stronger like and progress but if like all of you known is like success but you will like you will count periods where it's just success but then like kind of also take the like when you something doesn't go wrong it's like a signal to kind of like see is there a learning opportunity here although painful but like, <laughs> I love the way you say also painful yeah <laughs> all these stories are so inspiring and I definitely learned so much especially like taking opportunities because I feel like as a student especially during the pandemic, I feel really sheltered and reserved. And like this panel itself was something that was way out of my comfort zone. And like just seeing already taking this one opportunity, I can see so many more doors open. So thank you so much about that. So I'm gonna go to the third question. What is the most rewarding part of your job? Okay, um, I think for me, again, in my heart and soul, I'm, a, I'm very maternal as a figure. I'm, I wanna nurture the world. Uh, I think it's, I don't know where that comes from, but you know, but teaching and, and, and having an impact on the minds and the lives of other people matters is so deeply to me. And that as a distinguished university professor, it's very rare to have someone at that rank do any sort of undergraduate teaching. Yet this is precisely what I want to do. I, why gain all these years of experience and not use what I've known to help shape the lives of, of young people. Um, and I've graduated over 50 doctoral students in my career who are themselves all achieving. So if you ask me what really matters, it's not what I give myself, it's what I hope I'm able to give others. There's a sense of that that kind of drives, I think many of us who choose careers that have that kind of altruistic sort of component to it. We're in it, yeah, we want to succeed. Let's be honest. You know, it's a, it's a nice thing to succeed. And the more important thing is that you are remembered for the lives that you impacted as well. I, I love that. And I can uh, relate to that a lot. Patricia, for me, you know, I fell into campus recruiting, working with college students. And um, I didn't know that was my passion. That was my first job that I got to do when I was exploring what the options were at that point in terms of my career. So being also, you know, an immigrant coming to school and kind of finding my own path and battling with, um, with preconceptions of what my career was going to be and, and, and finding my new way, um, being able to work with college students it's something that I, I see as a blessing because very similar to you, Patricia, I, I'm very motherly. I don't have kids of my own, but <laughs> I have hundreds of interns that I consider yeah. that I call my kids. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just for me and what I absolutely love to do, and again, very blessed that I get paid for it, is to be able to contribute somehow to all these students and finding their path, whether it's um, just helping them with interview prep, whether they get the position, which is being to impart some wisdom or, you know, the very exciting time when I get to make offers for their first internship or for their first job, being able to impact uh, the career development and career finding path of students is, is something that I'm very, um, again, very blessed to be able to do and get paid for it. Um, I think for me, my field is less directly like working with people, but I think there is a lot of like indirect interaction with the community. Um, and I think for me, I went into journalism to be able to tell the stories that like are not being shown on mainstream media or like about communities that are invisible in mainstream media. So I think the most rewarding part is at work when I get to pitch different stories, um, video stories that I'm passionate about, about communities that are not as 
widely talked about um, in the media. I think that's really inspiring because I don't know, I think there's a very humanizing aspect of it. You know, there's people that are just not shown on TV or just not shown in, the, in these stories that we consume on a regular basis. Um, and there's something really cool about being the one who like amplifies those stories and like make sure that people actually know that there are these communities um, with these problems and these like triumphs. And yeah, I think that's just definitely the coolest part of my job. I think so far, what has been like rewarding a few things like one is um, I'm a social epidemiologist when you're starting out as faculty you're like how can I make my contribution you know what can you what can I contribute that's unique I began my career looking at like existing data and then weird data like Twitter and when I was talking to my mentors they're like why are you looking at Twitter data I've kind of like been using it for like eight years or something uh, where we kind of use it to kind of derive constructs of the social environment. I feel the, the rewarding part is like seeing your idea and like creating it and trying to make movement and make progress and contribute to your field, but in your own way and getting support from like grants from, you know, funding agencies and like that. It's like acknowledgement that they see the importance of these factors and like helping you and supporting you as you kind of pursue these ideas. Thank you to the panel for the thoughtful responses. As a student, it's very exciting to hear the different um, professions having various impacts. So I look forward to doing that when I myself entered the professional world. Um, since we are reaching the two o'clock mark and some of you may have to leave soon, we will respect everyone's time and end with one last question. What is the best advice you've ever received or advice you would give to your younger self at the start of your career? If I were giving advice, it would be to find a model, a role model, somebody who it, you heard Anita speak about networking. Absolutely essential. I don't care what career it is. But even within the bigger realm of your discipline, find somebody who represents what you want to become, your future you, and then look at their experiences, their kind of degree studies, find out who they are because then you can start building the necessary pieces you have to make yourself marketable, to stand out, to rise above the number of thousands of applicants that they receive. You have to look at the person who's recently got jobs and say, okay, that person had this profile. Now here's what I need to flesh out in order to look more like that sort of role model that I have. And believe in yourself. Always, always believe in yourself, okay? And it's hard because many in the younger generation have so many self-doubts. We all have self-doubts. We all have doubts. The point is you also have to go in and constantly do self-praise. You have to reward yourself for what you have done. You have to remind yourself of your strength and always build on those strengths. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> no, but I think you made some really great points. I think that piece as a woman, you know, just being a woman, it's not like we already have a lot of self-doubts. Um, add to that, you know, if you're the first in your family to go to school, if you're the first one trying a new career path, if you are just trying to make it, <laughs> continue to push through, right? Challenges mm -hmm. are going to come. Just find your purpose, find your goal. And when you come in front of challenges, setbacks, it's okay. It was mentioned earlier, they are great teachers yeah. uh, but sometimes they are what will catapult you into something great and like I said earlier 
be sure to take opportunities that you may not have thought about before. At least look into them. You never know where you're going to find what you're truly passionate about in, in just exploring those. There's a great adage. It's not how many times you fall down. It's whether you get up and keep going. And that's got to be, as women in, in, in careers like you all have chosen, we all have chosen, That's that's got to be your motto. I believe it's that cleaner call formula 409. It was the 409th try. So there were 408 failures. Just don't give up. <laughs> I guess that, that, that brings to mind like one thing, because then I, I still see it like where women sometimes have like the imposter syndrome. Oh, yes. Um, but then I think somehow like I never kind of had that moment. And my sister's like, what? You never had that moment. And I think it's because one of the things I believe is like normal people can do great things. I never kind of believe that you have to be a genius. My whole core believe that we can like everybody has a place to contribute. And you can still do great things and be highly successful just with your own abilities and your own intelligence and your own gifts. And so other advice that keeps coming back to mind as I progress is like, like your circumstances will change. Like your work environments, you have different employers, you have different chairs and deans. And so like kind of just keep progressing and don't necessarily let it sway you. And also second thing is like enemies are easily made, right? But but don't make them. Like if you don't need to make it, <laughs> why make the enemy, right? So I think that has also been helpful. Like you don't need to create unnecessary enemies when you don't have to. It's like you might need them and why be mean unnecessarily and send that out. So I think that has helped those kind of pieces of advice I've gotten that they kind of stick in my mind. It's very interesting because I always say to the students, and I think I've said it this year already, that in any room you walk into, there's always going to be somebody smarter than you, richer than you, better looking than you. But you can always say that nobody in that room works as hard as you do. And because that you have control over. How much effort and commitment you put into your striving for what you want is really is going to make the biggest difference in the long run. The other thing I would say, just given my personal history, my career finding journey has been, especially when you're in, in school, don't just put your head down and focus on grades and then look up four years later to try to figure out, you know, what somebody has on a solar platter there for you. That was my mistake. You know, I, I didn't see all the things that I could have been doing around me, like being involved, networking, figuring out where the career center, what it was and what it offered <laughs> um, versus just panicking at the end of four years, especially once I realized that um, I needed to look for something new. So just be involved in, you know, even in a pandemic, I have seen some of, of my students, even, you know, in my freshman section, they already are part of leadership in some organizations. So I know we like to blame the pandemic and we like to say that things would be so much better if we were in person, but we see the same struggles. I see the same struggles in being involved on campus. I see the same struggles in, during virtual internships as well as in-person internships and the job finding process. So get rid of all those excuses and go get, you know, go get what you want. Well said. All that information was so valuable, and I really hope our listeners that are listening to the podcast will take it into their opportunities. But again, thank you so much for joining us today. That's the end of our podcast. Thank you for having us. That was just a very thoughtful thing that you put together. So thank you. Yeah, it was a fantastic conversation, ladies. You were both very inspiring. We'd love to stay connected.